Evening church, we're just going to get ready and get into God's word. So if you could join me at Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 25 on page 1039. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through this curtain that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're going to continue that from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good to see you, everyone. My name is Andrew. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here. have the joy of being one of the pastors here at 6 p.m. We started this service one year ago in two weeks' time. So in two weeks' time, it's going to be our one-year birthday, um, which is really exciting. God has been doing such wonderful things in our service. And so in two weeks' time, we're going to have a barbecue outside after the service and celebrate all that God's been doing over the last year and how far he's brought us. And so make sure you don't miss that in a few weeks. If it's your first time after the service, most Sundays we head to Neutral Bay Bowling Club, which is just a small stroll up that way, and I'd love to see you afterwards if you're keen to join us. Let's pray together as we come before God and his word. God, we pray, just like the psalmist prayed, that you would open our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things in your word and that you would direct our steps to live for you in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our theme for the year, our big theme is enjoying God, enjoying God. So two weeks ago, we looked at enjoying God through the Bible. Last week, we looked at enjoying God through prayer. This week, we're looking at the important question of how do we enjoy God through God's people, through the church? It's such an important thing, I think, to think about because our society, our world in Sydney craves community, doesn't it? We crave community. Our society is actually getting more and more isolated from each other. The people who analyze the culture of Sydney talk about how involvement in social clubs and 
Surf Life Saving Clubs and RSLs is plummeting. Interaction with others is decreasing. Loneliness is on the rise. And perhaps some of this has got to do with technology. So, you know, a decade or so ago, if you wanted to get money out of the bank, you would uh, visit a bank teller and you'd actually have to interact with someone. Now you go to an ATM. Uh, a few decades, decades ago, your milk would be delivered to you by a milkman, someone who potentially you knew. Now you go into Woolies, go out the back, find a fridge, pick up your milk, and you don't even have to have any interaction with anyone. You can go to the self-checkout bit, though that always seems to stuff up. I always end up having to interact with someone when I'm at the self-checkout section. But theoretically, you could just not talk to anyone, buy your milk, and you're out of there. And so our society is getting more and more isolated. We're craving community, I think. And the Bible says this is totally normal because we were made for community. None of us were made to be isolated We were all made for relationships. God, after all, is a God of relationships, isn't he? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. We were made to be like him in relationship with others. And so the chief way God gives us community as Christians is through the church. Through the church. You were made for more. You were made for the church. The church is who we are, and the church is who we are called to be. The church is who we are, and the church is who we're called to be. You know, there's no greater relationship you can have with someone than with a brother or sister in Christ. There's no greater relationship. One writer, Mark Dever, he says this, it's up on the screen. Up on the, yes, here we go, Mark Dever says, where two people share Christ, even if everything else is different, they are closer than even blood ties could ever bring them. They are the family of God. That's what it looks like to be part of God's people, a tie, a a relationship closer than anything else. Now, we're going to spend some time in the book of 1 Peter tonight, and in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, you are a chosen people. And we're going to stop there because I think our society, we're so individualistic, we're thinking me, me, me. And so we can bring that to the Bible, can't we? And we can open the Bible, look at a passage like that and think it's saying, you are a chosen person. I'm a chosen person. In fact, you know, you can even buy Bibles which you can customize so that it always says your name. You know, you can buy those Bibles. Don't look at it now, look at it later. Don't buy them either. But anyway, it's there. <laughs> um, but no, no, this is, this is corporate. You are a chosen people. He goes on, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's who we are if you're a Christian. A chosen people, a royal priesthood set aside to proclaim him, a holy nation set aside to live for him. You see, when you become a Christian, when you follow Jesus, being part of the church isn't actually some kind of optional extra. Not like when you're ordering food and someone says, would you like fries with that? It's not some kind of thing you opt into. Actually, you can't be a Christian without being part of the church, without being part of his people. 
And I want to go actually one step further and say it is really hard, in fact, almost impossible to keep growing as a Christian if you're not part of a local church. Because we were designed for community. We were designed for community. Jesus died to bring us into the church. And so one writer, John Stott, he says this. He says, The church lies at the very centre of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It's not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. For his purpose is not just to save isolated individuals and so to perpetuate their loneliness, but rather to build his church. That is, to call out of the world a people for his own glory. Not a divine afterthought for God, but central to his plans. Isn't that amazing? So let me ask you tonight, 6 p.m., do you love the church? Do you love the church? Do you love our church? I think it's so easy to be critical of the church, isn't it? Our secular media is often critical of the church. And, you know, I've got to say, often for good reason. But what's particularly sad, I think, is when Christians are overly critical of the church. I mean, there are definitely going to be times when the preaching is not as crash-hot as you would hope, when the music is not as good as what you'd hear on the radio, when someone lets you down in church, maybe a pastor or a leader lets you down, or a church of sinners. And so it's easy for people to say, oh, well, maybe this whole church thing is a bit outdated. You know, maybe we need to rethink the way that we do things to try and reach the culture, get rid of this church thing, change some of the ideas. But this picture of church in the Bible, actually, it's so important to God, he gave up his son for it. Ephesians 5 says this, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Jesus loved the church. As he hung there on that cross, dying for the sins of the world, he was thinking about his plan to rescue sinners and bring them into his people, bring them into his family, the church. So do you love the church? It's not just that. We need the church, don't we? I need the church. When I come along on a Sunday night at 6 o'clock, I need the church to enjoy God. That's our theme for the year, enjoying God. When I stand and I hear the singing, I hear all of you singing, praising God, worshipping Him, I need that. I need my heart to be stirred, filled with joy and thankfulness as I hear you proclaim who God is and what He's done to enjoy Him better. I need that. I need the church. When I come to church and I hear the Bible explained and preached and I'm sitting in connect group and people challenge me and encourage me and warn me, I need that. I need the church when people love me at church. People at church who serve me and care for me because as they love me, I'm actually experiencing God's love through his people. I need the church. We all need the church. The church is who we are, and the church is who we're called to be. So if that's the picture of the church, this wonderful picture, not an afterthought in God's plan, but who we are, saved for community, trusting Jesus, part of his people, 
then the question is, how do we respond? How do we live out this picture of the church? How do we put it into practice? I think a lot of people, when they uh, approach church, they approach church a little bit like a drive-through. You know, when you're driving along and you, you, know, you see the golden arches and you're tempted like I always am. And you drive in, you order your chicken nuggets because they're the easiest to eat while you're driving, you see. That's my strategy anyway. Why do you pick the drive-through? Maybe because you're short on time. You know, you want to get in there, get out. Maybe because you're, you don't want any interaction with anyone. You know, you just kind of want to eat your meal. You don't want to have to go in and sit. And It's not a whole family thing. You're just kind of interested in getting in, getting out. Maybe because you're lazy. <laughs> you know, you don't want to bother getting out of your car, walking in. You just want to do the easy option, whatever it is. Now, church can be a bit like that. You come, and maybe just a bit after it started, sit where no one else can see you, and leave straight away. They're consuming, consuming, leave, just like a drive-thru. I'm going to say, as a pastor who often stands at the back, about 20% of people leave in the first minute or so. Now, and I say, there are really good reasons for leaving straight after. I don't pretend to know everyone's reasons. And if you've just come to church and, and he, all you do is get to sit through the service and hear God speak and praise him, that's fantastic. It's not a waste at all. But God does want something more for you on a regular basis. He does, he does. He wants church to be less like a drive through and more like a family. Less like a drive through and more like a family. And so in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter presents this picture of what it looks like to live church not as a drive-through, but as a family, a family. And he says three things we're going to look at, three quick things. Firstly, to live out this picture of the church is to be a picture of deep love. Deep love. Look down in your Bibles at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. God says this, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. What does he say? Love each other deeply. Now, if you, another way that could be translated from the original, love each other intensely. Love each other constantly. You know, our love at church isn't to be this kind of thing that we do every now and then and we just dabble in a bit of love or bit of half-hearted love. It's to be intense, constant, shaping everything we do, everything we say, all of our actions, all of our generosity, the way we serve. It's just to permeate all of our church. Because we know the God who is love, who showed us the most amazing love you can ever know at the cross, a costly love, a sacrificial love. A deep love is what we're called to be, to do. And as we experience the deep love from our brothers and sisters here on a Sunday night at 6 o'clock or in our connect groups, we're actually experiencing and enjoying the love of God. Tim Chester, he writes this. He says, when a Christian brother hugs you, Christ is hugging you. When a sister sits by your hospital bed, Christ is sitting by your bedside. When a friend weeps with you, Christ is weeping with you. Christian love 
is the overflow of God's love to us. Isn't that well put? We enjoy the love of God through the love of his people. Peter says, notice there, that love covers a multitude of sins. If we're really going to be loving, it actually looks like forgiving people, not harboring a grudge, not harboring a bitter thought. It's so easy, isn't it, to bring up past wrongs? But love is forgiving. Maybe there's someone here at church who's hurt you, a leader who's let you down. Love forgives. Now, some people might say, okay, that's being a bit of a pushover, you know, forgetting your sin. That's being a pushover. That's being weak. For those of you who try to forgive people, you know it is not the easy option. It is the harder option, isn't it? Now, you know what? I think as a church, we actually are going really well at being a loving church. Can I say that? Sometimes, you know, on a Sunday, uh, God rebukes us and challenges us, you know, and sometimes he just encourages us and says, keep going. And I really think that's what God's saying tonight. We are, let's keep going, being a loving church. It's just wonderful. But can I suggest one way that we can be more loving as a, as a service at 6 p.m. this year? It's by just showing up. Just showing up. One of the most loving things we can do is just coming to church. Because when we come to church, we come to love others. It's not just about us, but loving others. And one thing I guess I'm a little concerned about, it's not just this church, it's other churches around Sydney. This is a a Sydney-wide thing, maybe Australia-wide, is more and more people now view a regular attender at church to be someone who comes every two to three weeks. That's just how the language is changing, a regular attender every two to three weeks. Now, five, ten years ago, I do not think that was the case. But that language is changing. How do you think we need to watch out for that? We need to fight hard to protect this commitment to loving relationships, deep, intense, committed love. So one of the best ways to love this year is just, just show up to your connect group to, to 6 p.m. Deep love. Well, the second thing that Peter says that we can do to live out this picture of the church is joyful hospitality, joyful hospitality. Look down at verse 9. It's short. It's a quick verse. It says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. When we think of hospitality, we might think of having a meal with someone in their home, uh, maybe eating the supper after the service, going out to Neutral Bay Club, sharing a meal. That's hospitality. But, you know, hospitality is more than just that. The The word for hospitality in the Greek, the original language, is actually made up of two words, love for the stranger. Love for the stranger. That's hospitality. Who's the stranger? Who's the stranger in your life? Maybe it's the person in your apartment block who you pass in the stairwell who you don't really know. Maybe it's a new person coming to church. We always have new people visiting 6 p.m. And and one way you can love them is by welcoming them and talking to them and caring for them and enfolding them. Maybe the stranger is the person in your workplace who has really different views about everything, politics, than you, and loving them and sharing your life with them. Maybe the stranger, if you're single here tonight, is married people and inviting them into your home. If you're married here tonight, it's single people and inviting them into your home. Maybe the stranger is someone you know who's not a follower of Jesus, the list goes on. It's, see, it's different to just hanging out with your mates. 
It's different than hanging out with mates. Hospitality is loving the stranger. Rosaria Butterfield, she's a writer. She puts it really well. She says this. It's up on the screen. She says, radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbours and neighbours family of God. It brings glory to God, serves others, and lives out the gospel in word and deed. I think that's so well put. Seeking to make strangers neighbours. Loving the stranger. Do you see how it's different to entertaining? It's different to entertaining. I remember when I first moved out of home and had first, we had our first guest server. And it was very exciting. I just obsessed over making sure our apartment was super clean. Anyone like that when they have a guest server? That was me making sure everything was super clean, looking over Pinterest, trying to find the just right table design, making sure everything was arranged perfectly, pouring through the playlists on Spotify just so I could perfectly match the mood and the vibe of the evening. So everything was perfect, the best three-course meal. Now, entertaining, that's entertaining. What does entertaining seek to do? Impress. That's what I wanted to do. Impress. Make a good impression. Hospitality doesn't seek to impress, but to bless. To bless. To bless the stranger. You see, with with entertaining, you might have the perfect three-course meal. With hospitality, the food might burn because you're so focused on loving someone and talking to them. With entertaining, you may have the perfect, you know, music and the perfect food. With, with hospitality, you may just be serving toasted cheese sandwiches because you want to not be chained to the kitchen but deep in people's lives. Entertaining, the place might need to be spotless. Hospitality, well, maybe the place is still a mess. Your clothes are everywhere. If it's like our apartment, there's burp and vomit cloths for the baby all over the place. You haven't cleaned it up. It just, you know, looks normal. And they enter and enter your life. That's the difference. Seeking to bless. It doesn't matter if you don't have a home or if you live in a tiny apartment. You can do hospitality over coffee. You can do hospitality going for a walk. You can practice hospitality babysitting for someone's kids or for, by visiting someone who's in hospital. You can practice hospitality welcoming a new person. Can I suggest one way, one big way this year to practice hospitality? It's by joining a connect group. Join a connect group. This week is the week to sign up. And they're one of the key things we do as a church. Coming together, maybe in someone's home, maybe sharing a meal or some snacks, walking through life, praying for each other, supporting one another, reading the scriptures. That is one of the key ways that we practice hospitality as a church. Make sure you sign up for one. Don't miss out. Give it a try. Come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you a bit more about joining a 6 p.m. connect group. Notice, though, there's one little thing that we haven't covered. He says, offer hospitality without grumbling. You see that there? Without grumbling? I remember the times, you know, I've had people over for dinner. We've had people over, and I'm there in the kitchen doing the dishes. And I'm saying, well, no one offered to help me clean these dishes. They could have at least offered to bring it into the kitchen, but no, they just all left. Here I am. And Curtis spilled some red wine on the couch. Grumble, 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 grumble. And when you practice hospitality, people are in your home, things are going to get messy and it's going to take sacrifice. But I love it. It says, offer hospitality without grumbling. 
I think that's because God has welcomed us. He's shown hospitality to us. He's loved us. Are we ready to love others? Whatever it takes. Your grocery bill may increase. You may be tired after work and not feel like going to Connect Group. It takes sacrifice, but it's without grumbling. Deep love. Joyful hospitality. And lastly, God-glorifying service. God-glorifying service. Look down at chapter 4, verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so as one with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. I would love to go on a cruise. I'd love to go on a cruise. My friends tell me that makes me an old person. No offence to those of you who've been on cruises. I love to go on one. In my mind, what I love about it is you're just there and being served. Yeah? There's just restaurants galore. You can just pick them. You don't have to you know, walk anywhere or travel anywhere. They're just there. There's entertainment options all laid out for you, and you just enjoy it, kick back, and you're served. But a cruise is pretty different to a battleship, isn't it? Because a battleship, there's no kicking back, relaxing. and a battleship, everyone has a part to play. It's all hands on deck. Everyone has a role to make that ship do what it's meant to do. And church is far less like a cruise and much more like a battleship. You see, this passage says God has given each of us a gift, probably multiple gifts. Every single one of us, if we're a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's a passion. Maybe a talent. Maybe it's that you have more time at your disposal, whatever it is. And God wants you to use that gift not for yourself, But what does it say? To serve. To serve others. To serve him. There's a whole range of people in this room who use all kinds of gifts, seen and unseen, in our church. One type of gift is in verse 11, speaking gifts. If you're someone in this room and you teach the Bible, in your Connect group, in Ignite Connect, in youth or kids, song leading, whatever it is, that is such a huge responsibility because you are speaking the words of God. That's huge. That's terrifying. But whoever we are, the message is, do it with the strength God provides. I don't know about you, but there's so many different bad motivations you can have for serving, isn't there? You can come to church and serve just because your name is on the roster. You can come to church and serve because the pastor asked you to. You could come to church and serve to impress others or to make a name for yourself or because you think that the church needs you. It's all going to fall apart without you. There are all kinds of bad motivations, and if you live off those, it's easy to burn out. But the best motivation is to do it with the strength God provides, trusting in him, so that in all things God may be praised. That's what it says, doesn't it? All things God may be praised. We're doing it for him, not for ourselves. Serving him, laying down our lives, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our passions for his name to build up the church. How could you serve this year, 2020? Serve our church, serve 6 p.m. There's so many ways. 
I'd love to chat with you. God has gifted you to serve. Deep love, intense, constant. Joyful hospitality, loving the stranger. God glorifying service, serving him with our gifts. See, church is much more than a drive-through. It is a family. The church is who we are. The church is who we're called to be. Maybe you're here tonight and you are someone who's run away from the church. I spoke to a few people like that today already. Someone who's not sure what you think about the church. Or maybe you're someone who's interested in joining our church. Can I invite you to do that? Come along to the belonging course. It's the best first step. Or maybe here tonight you're interested in becoming a Christian, interested in joining God's family. Can I invite you to do that? But for all of us, God is saying to us, he's asking us tonight, do you love my church? That's what he's asking. Do you love my church, the church I gave up my son for? The church that I brought you into? My new community. Will you love with intensity? Will you love the stranger? Will you serve for my glory? And play your part in being part of this family. That's what God has created the church. It's who we are. It's who we're called to be. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for the gift of your people, this community. We are your body, your temple, your dwelling place. We thank you that we can enjoy you as we're fed together with the word of God in community, challenged, comforted, loved, welcomed. Lord, we repent for the times in which as a church we have failed to live out your commands, where we've been inward focused instead of outward focused, selfish instead of loving. By your Holy Spirit, empower us, enable us to live for you, to be this community you have called us to be. Give us a deep love, a love for the stranger, a heart to serve. Father, we pray big things for 6 p.m. in 2020. Lord, would you work powerfully to you be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.